At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a house. It's your home, the place that's filled with memories. The early days of figuring it out to the later years of still figuring it out. For the place you've put down roots, trust Amica Home Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I had another big news day in advance of the draft. Going to talk about all that. The Chris Tapps Porzingis. Rumors Phil Jackson interviewed. Got to play some audio from that. I want to give you guys the raw commentary there. I think it sounds a little bit different than it does necessarily in printed form, which is how a lot of us first saw it. The cap is going down as well. That's going to have some ramifications. Now, 99 million instead of 101 is the estimate. And then we got to talk about Malik Monk. We're actually going to get there. We got time. And maybe we'll do a team preview at the end. We'll see how long it takes because we're always so concise. I'm sure we'll have plenty of time. Uh, so the NBA salary cap now due to a shorter playoffs and even more drunken spending by teams than has been projected previously is now projected very shortly to be 99 million we will know for sure on june 30th that is a change from previously when we didn't know until either the end of the moratorium or a couple days into free agency so that's a, a nice change where every, every team will know exactly what they're dealing with and as will cap dorks like us but what's the effect here now of another two million bucks in theory getting lopped off uh the cap projection the biggest impact for me there are two basic groups one is teams that were on the fringe of a very serious of like a, a specific amount of cap space so like if you're trying to get a single max yes the max does go down but the max only goes down let's say 30 percent depends on which one of the cap whereas the cap goes down like the full million so that's a big impact and then the second group which gets less attention but actually might be more affected in some of these circumstances are teams that have a lot of salary that's already on the books so detroit is a good example of this or charlotte because those salaries don't change they just drop the cap and drop the tax on top of it yeah it's the small market teams that are operating close to the tax might want to use their full mid-level exception now they can't lower revenue teams washington with Otto porter detroit with contavious caldwell pope getting a new salary charlotte who already took on extra money in the dwight howard deal now they've got basically two million less to play with okc always a reluctant taxpayer milwaukee memphis i think for maybe utah if gordon hayward returns those teams i think it matters more than maybe you know the teams that were already going to pay the tax like cleveland or golden state i mean maybe maybe those teams will have to be more into making a cost-cutting move during the season but i don't think it's going to affect their decision making now because they were going to be over the tax anyway same thing with the clippers if their guys come back portland is going to be over regardless as well it certainly doesn't help portland though (laughs) 
I mean, Jesus, that team is going to be expensive. And then another point, which the first person I saw make it was Dan Feldman, which I think is exceedingly important, is the way that the C- the new CBA was structured. Dropping the cap this year actually has a really big effect. Yeah, that's because the numbers for all the exceptions this year are set in stone for the MLE, the BAE, the mini mid-level, the room exception, rookie scale, we know exactly what those are, but then those amounts go up in proportion to any cap increase in future years. And because those now are a larger proportion of a $99 million cap than they were a $101 million cap, or even you know 103 or higher than that when the CBA was originally being negotiated. I mean, don't forget, this time last year, we thought the cap was going to be 108 this year. You know, This is a $9 million decrease for teams that were planning for that. And the biggest reason there's been a little bit less revenue from the playoffs but the biggest reason is just teams spent so much money in the summer of 2016 and now bobby marks noting that only 10 teams project to have significant room this year i think his definition of significant room is where it's basically like all right you're far enough below the cap that it makes sense to use your cap room instead of just staying over and using your exceptions so market is gonna be it's gonna be tight it's definitely salad days seem to be over and It'll be very interesting to see where the music stops. Uh, And once we do the mock-off season, which is only a few days away now, we'll have a better idea of that. And this puts more pressure on early movers. We've often seen the worst contracts signed and some of the best ones, I think, about Alfaruk Aminu. We've seen those contracts signed in the first few hours. And we've had the worst ones, I mean, Joakim Noah, Timofey Mozgov, because whoever gets those first calls is going to have a lot of pressure. And then whether teams start to get judicious, and because if they start to wait out the market, especially in terms of point guards, you might see some better talent get a little bit freaked out. That's an interesting point, Danny, because in 2014, for example, we saw that the early moving teams, everyone was chilling out waiting for LeBron. The Raptors were one of those, got great deals for Patrick Patterson and Kyle Lowry by moving quickly and having some certitude in their evaluations. The early moving teams last year, and less so, you know, Mozgov uh, was the first deal signed, probably wasn't that great. Batum, yeah, I mean, they, they got him for less than the max, and he would have gotten the max elsewhere, but that's going to end up being a, an exorbitant contract. Those are some of the ones that were signed very early on. This year, though, I think it could, I always say this, and sometimes I'm wrong, it could take longer for the market to kind of suss out. But I think actually the agents who are willing to move quickly with their clients and just take good big deals that are on the table right away those are the ones who are going to win as opposed to the agents who are like oh well uh Mikhail Batum got a 120 million dollars last year like my guy's better than him uh he should get more than that without realizing that there just isn't the same amount of money around yeah you know who we're gonna hear the name that I'm sure well we're not gonna hear it because we're not in those rooms but Myers Leonard is probably gonna wreck a bunch of guys expectations Absolutely. So let's do a a little plug here for our Patreon mailbag that we did today. That, of course, is something that we provide for our subscribers, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. That is up right now on that private audio feed. So if you subscribe, you get that. You'll also get salary sheets that I will be tweeting out as close to real time as I can during the free agent period. 
I have to do those anyway to keep informed for, for the podcast every day. So I figure it's not that much harder to actually tweet those out and let you look at the exact same thing that I'm looking at if you're interested in that. So stay tuned for a lot of content there and support us. We appreciate, by the way, everyone who bought merchandise. Sorry, we're out already. Actually, the person who I'm working with is on vacation this week. So it's going to take us a little while to get stuff back in stock. There's still some double extra larges, smalls, and extra smalls because, you know, extra small, I'm sure that your significant other is a huge fan of dunked on and would love to wear the shirt but uh in any event we'll get those back soon and the coffee mugs are sold out too so thanks a lot for your enthusiasm there and please support us uh, on patreon as well that link again is patreon.com slash duncan larue all the all the merchandise all that stuff just go to nate you can uh that is your one-stop shop to stay informed with everything all right let's get to porzingis now i'm gonna just play this phil jackson audio bear with me it's a little bit shy of two minutes because i want you to hear his tone and get the raw audio as opposed to seeing it in print especially i think with phil that is important so here's that audio a lot of rumors flying around and reports too that you've been listening to some trade offers for Kristaps porzingis is that in fact happening we're getting calls um you know as much as we value Kristaps and you know what he's done for us when a guy doesn't show up at an exit meeting everybody starts speculating on you know the duration or years you know movability from a club so we've been getting calls and uh you know uh, we're listening but we're not uh intrigued yet at this level but uh as much as we love this guy you know we have to do what's good for our club and what would be good for the club why would you do that future you know what what it brings does it bring us two starters and a draft pick or you know something that's even beyond that is something that we have to look at as far as uh, going down the road we know what he is. He's a unicorn, and he's special. Was missing that exit interview a big deal or not? Um, I don't think I've ever had a player over 25 years of coaching, maybe 30, not coming to an exit meeting. Um, so it's, it's not happened to me. Um, I know it happens to other people and other players. Um, and his, you know, his brother and his agent have said, you know, downplayed it, but. You know, still, it's a chance for a person to express themselves. And I had a real good relationship with Kristaps over the last two years. So it was kind of surprising. Does there need to be some repairing? Well, I've reached out. Um, you know, we've communicated, not through uh, voice or anything, although I've tried to call. But, yeah, it's uh, it's got to be. And they say no worries. He's working hard. And, you know, there are plenty of pictures on the Internet about him working hard and, and uh, working at it. Um, so yeah, we'll get it back. So I think it's certainly telling that they are listening to offers on him. How much stock do you put in just listening to that audio? And I know there have been reports about what they're looking for and stuff that we'll discuss later. But like, how damning do you think that is, Danny, as far as like, hey, they're really looking to move this guy? I, I don't think of it as really like true desperation in that way. But it certainly is more openness than you would expect, considering the way the fan base thinks about Kristaps Porzingis. That's to be damn sure. Yeah, and I've said before. For, that I might be willing to move him for the right offer. I think he's a little bit overrated right now. I, if he were in this draft, I probably would have him second. So not that overrated, but uh, I still think, you know, he's got some weaknesses in his game as far as moving his feet, playing the center position. 
not that great of a rebounder but you know he hasn't been in the best system obviously these last two years playing with some ball hogs playing with i shouldn't say ball hogs but guys who don't have that much vision like derrick rose not being used in pick and pop the way he could but i still wonder about those limitations i discussed and also his ability to really become a guy who creates his own shot against good defense but i still think he's you know could be a very valuable player and phil actually even used the term unicorn which i thought uh, was interesting reports have indicated a few of these now Woj said on his Facebook draft preview that they are aiming for a top four pick to get Josh Jackson it's also been reported by Ramona Shelburne that they are asking for a top five pick and a young player on a star track and also discussed and potentially a, a deal with Phoenix for the number four pick Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris that type of value is that right for him would you do that deal if you're in New York Oof. I mean so I'm not completely sold as much as I liked Bender coming out of the you know into the draft process that he's going to even become a starter and with Porzingis I feel comfortable that he's going to be that whether he's a star or not is, is an open question but reaching that level so I think that's closer to fair value than i expected but i don't think i would pull the trigger on that would you trade him straight up for devin booker no i would not no i wouldn't either yeah, devin uh, booker is, is this strange this strange thing that has happened and I, I i sometimes i i try to catch myself when i realize that basketball twitter is not everything but the response to people like oh you can't trade devin booker for anything it's like he's a talented player most certainly and i admit that i was lower on him than i should have been i was wrong on that he is not the end-all be-all franchise change for for a team at this point he can improve but he isn't that guy yet yeah i mean he's gonna he could be a guy who averages you know an empty 22 a game you know i see him as kind of like a mitch richmond type of ceiling for him which would be a very good player but not i mean mitch is one of the more borderline hall of famers out there but I don't see him as someone who really, really impacts the game. And maybe he can get there. He's extremely young, obviously. But um, yeah, I wouldn't put him in the same category as Porzingis necessarily. So uh, we can come up with some more Porzingis fake trades later. But I think that's probably not going to get it done for me, those type of offers. And, you know, I'm not as high on Josh Jackson as a lot of people. Although Schmitz actually tweeted out an interesting video today comparing him to Andre Iguodala, which I thought was, was is worth watching. Although I still I don't think he's going to be as good as, as Andre was it's I mean, what do you make of this whole always oh, skipped his exit interview that is kind of troubling i thought al troutwig actually did a great job asking questions on that uh but like what, what do you think of that whole spiel that seems like more of an owner thing to me than anything else like oh the owner wants to see the players be in line or, or something like that and i understand why porzingis is frustrated i mean he's been in a, a circumstance where the team hasn't really gone in in the right direction in a lot of different ways and yeah you want that guy to be there but i'm not i'm not especially especially going to talk about that publicly as being like a part of this equation now now who like as as slater said who's going to show up to nick's exit interviews now <laughs> yeah if that's all it takes to to get you traded although people still want to be in new york that's that's definitely true and i think economically for porzingis i'm not sure what his shoe deal is right now but that's something that if you're in new york is certainly going to be more valuable for example and the knicks fan base loves him but it's really difficult and phil you know it first sounded out like he was saying hey everyone thinks because he missed the exit meeting that now we're just like taking calls they're all calling us but then he went on to say that you know it was kind of troubling and and by the way phil is incorrect in 2004 right before he incidentally was traded Shaq skipped his exit meeting as well after the the 2004 finals i think in part because he wanted a new contract 
And so I guess Phil doesn't remember that, but uh, that did happen. Howard Beck was saying he was actually writing about it at the time on his terrible Nokia cell phone, talking to Shaq about it. Joel Embiid, with, of course, yet another fantastic tweet, said, hey, uh, we don't care about exit interviews here. <laughs> so <laughs> that's great, man. I, Joel is just a, an absolute revelation. I, I really hope he gets healthy so we can continue to, to see this and he doesn't get too corporate. Another component of this, the Celtics did finally get Josh Jackson's medicals. Uh, he did not work out there, though. Recently, the scuttlebutt from a few places seems to be that they're leaning Tatum. That's who they're mocked as taking. I said this on the Patreon mailbag, but I think I wouldn't totally rule out them going in another direction, whether it's trying to I trade mean, down. Other yeah, than the character stuff, isn't Dennis Smith totally a Danny Ainge guy? Like in terms of the physical, like point guard, built, strong, athletic, that type of stuff? Yeah, he's like Terry Rozier athlete, probably even better. And, you know, actually has some more scoring game too. So. So, yeah, he does kind of seem that way. Or even like Jonathan Isaac, you know, maybe just uh, we should expect for them. I can't remember the last time they picked the guy that everyone thought they were going to pick. So so put it that way. Maybe it will be Tata. Maybe it will be Jackson. But it's I wouldn't say like fate accompli they're going to take one of the, those two guys. Let's just just put it that way. Be prepared maybe for there to be some kind of a surprise. Still, but part of the reason that matters is because the Knicks supposedly want Jackson. And if he falls to the Suns, then maybe that's what could facilitate that that Porzingis trade if in fact he is available and some would say too hey the Celtics should make a trade for Porzingis as well I mean let's just indulge ourselves here if you Jalen Brown and number three making that deal for Chris Ass Porzingis as New York I think I would hmm okay so is that because you are high on Jalen Brown I'm I'm kind of high on both parts of that I mean the three pick a there's still a chance that you're going to get Lonzo Ball we still don't know that at this point and I don't I think, think so the, the Lakers are taking Woj said they're going to take him so I, oh I think okay I didn't see it's that. Pretty, so yeah, yeah, we, we that that's I think is a ninety nine percent chance they take. That. Okay, okay, so so that lowers it a little bit for me, but yeah, I think Jalen Brown can be a, a starter in the league, and Porzingis is two years. He's kind of like he's two years away from getting close to properly paid, if not properly paid, and that's right on the margin. Like I just like I like Jalen Brown more than I like the Suns guys right now, and you know three is a little bit better. Maybe I mean now I'm now I'm selling myself out of it. I'm that's how close this is for me that it's just yeah i mean it's one of those things where i would be very conflicted i i'm higher on brown than most people i'm lower on porzingis probably than most people i'm lower on porzingis's ability especially right now to contribute to winning basketball i mean so i guess you're playing al horford and him together you know if you're going up against the warriors or the Cavs, that's the stratum that we're talking about here if you're thinking that he is is gonna look that good out there with his pretty slow feet you know certainly helps a lot offensively like it it could be pretty nasty there and his shot blocking is good but uh you know he's not a great matchup against Tristan Thompson on the defensive glass either he's a guy who uh, I think it's great to have and build around but you know I'm not sure I mean Jalen I think he's gonna be pretty good we'll see it it, it would be it'd be one of those things that like I'd kind of want to do in my heart and then if I were the GM I might like wuss out because like uh I'd get criticized too much yeah the the idea being that you you never do a true 50-50 trade because why you know unless it's like spare pieces that you don't really care you know in the in those sorts of circumstances because you'd rather you'd rather be more cautious and that could be a deal where it's so close that both sides say no yeah and i would also probably take dennis smith at three or try and trade down and get him so yeah i mean now if it's jalen brown and for sure josh jackson or jason tatum then you know i 
think a lot more seriously about doing that if I were the Celtics. But it's it's he's got a lot of value. I mean, that, that's basically you know Brown is probably not worth a, the top three pick. Like if the Celtics tried to trade him for like number four or something, I bet if they even tried to trade him for like number seven or eight in this draft, the teams would probably say no. I think that would be a bad idea. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, all right, we got some other free agent news here. This Porzingis thing is just so fascinating, though. Start with Houston. Daryl Morey given a four-year contract extension. He had one year left and he was actually in trouble around this time last year. I mean, they had just gone 41 and 41. They had all this cap space, but they were one of the few teams. I mean, they deserve so much credit for, yeah, they kind of overpaid, but at least they overpaid for guys that are good. And actually, they really only gave out one overpaying contract, Ryan Anderson. Uh, Eric Gordon looks like a totally fine contract at $13 million for three more years. Yeah, remember and... when we kind of did the blink twice of you're the one making the decisions here when they signed both of those guys just because it, it didn't really feel like Maury stuff, but then it, it ended up really fitting together yeah and he won 55 games and he's deserving of a contract extension i mean i think he's done a pretty good job other than the Corey brewer signing it's hard to point to really a bad move that that he's made um oh by the way we breaking news here from woge at 11 40 p.m on, on the west coast we got our first traction reference of this offseason. Knicks and Suns without traction on a Kristaps porzingis trade the knicks will not get devin booker as part of any deal the, uh, I mean, that's crazy to me that they would, but that's not the offer. The offer is not Porzingis straight up. Now, and the other thing that we can maybe throw in as a possibility here too, is that the Knicks have Joakim Noah's salary. And if they could get off of that in a Porzingis deal, that might make, make things more palatable as well. But now, because Phil is has been so terrible like their cap space really isn't worth that much anymore but god can you uh, imagine if Melo outlasts porzingis in new york god but he by and, like two he days and phil are just gonna go down to the bitter end phil actually also said by the way that Melo. he kind of reiterated that hey we tried to put a team around Melo, and it just didn't work he's a hall of fame player but you know we think if he wants to win he should probably go somewhere else um all right, so anyway, more on Houston. Mark Stein reporting that Houston is making Ryan Anderson, Lou Williams, and Patrick Beverly. That would be a total of about $33 million in salary available via trade to create some summer spending flexibility. Williams and Beverly are value contracts. Anderson, eh, I don't know, remains to be seen. I mean, we def- it seems like Maury has the same idea that we did which in the Houston offseason preview, which was, hey, let's move this dude now because his he played well this year and we were good and there's some shine on him but i mean i think the market may be even tight enough that anderson will look like bad salary after all even but you know if you're getting lou williams or pat beverly now you're looking really good beverly is of course a great fit next to james harden so it would be you'd certainly better have something else lined up uh, there and then stein also reporting that chris paul blake griffin paul Millsap, and kyle lowry are four free agents houston plans to pursue in july a broad point here i've heard the chris paul thing it's been it's been murmured before i love chris paul that is blatant by the people who've listened to the show but i don't love the chris paul james harden fit i think both those guys do so well with the ball in their hands and that's what's been frustrating about some of the patrick beverly stuff is like yeah i understand that the Rockets should be considering all their options patrick beverly's on a wonderful contract i mean two years i think it's like 11 million left something like that so yeah you can consider that but i I think he's got did he sign let me see here i'll double check on that because he has a non-guaranteed year right i might i might be i might be missing that right now uh no he he has yeah it's declining 
happening so it's 5.5 this year and then non-guaranteed 5.0 next year i'm rounding that up to 11 and saying i was right <laughs> yeah but i mean that non-guarantee is is nice too but you have to sure just in case unlikely, i mean you never know unlikely, if you never know if he's yeah. gonna tie loss in himself you never know so it's, uh, it's but but the idea of putting another ball dominant player another player who's better more importantly than ball dominant is a player who is better with the ball in their hands next to harden just makes no sense to me yeah you'd get some pushback from some people on that one especially going forward but yeah i mean i can't think of two superstars who play different positions that are worse suited for another but you would say hey they don't play different positions they play the same position and harden basically was the point guard last year lowry a a little bit better fit to me because i think he is you know a more versatile jump shooter than uh paul would be nice because he would help on defense that would be one area as well i mean if they could just if they could get him you just would sign him and try and figure it out you know i mean i think even despite the fit issues it would be a little less than the sum of their parts but i mean at least you would you wouldn't have the problem of being awful whenever Harden goes out of the game anymore for example uh and I don't think they'll get any traction with Chris Paul but Blake Griffin maybe they could Uh, Paul Millsap maybe they could but yeah I mean I don't know about a max contract for Paul Millsap that doesn't necessarily seem like Daryl Morey's style for with Millsap being 32 and he also now that he has this new deal he's kind of free I guess they feel like hey Harden is 28 we got to just put the best possible team around him now in these next couple of years and I think it's just because of a supply issue. But to me, the biggest need for them is a kind of a de- uh, a wing that can actually, you know, de- versatile defensively and that sort of thing. And yeah, it is probably just that there aren't that many guys on the market, but it is notable when you think about it in, in that context. In San Antonio, a few more dominoes continue to add up. First of all, Jabari Young, his biggest report of the day, Kawhi Leonard has not, in fact, uh, shaved off his cornrows. That was amazing. And per Woj, a couple of days ago, there are positive indications that Manu Ginobili will return they're not gonna be able to afford to pay him much uh, compared to what he w- made last year but he got that nice little parachute last year with help from the Sixers meanwhile Young also reporting that the Spurs are open to trading Danny Green and with Gasol out of the picture now I mean he'll be back but they've opened up the space for him they should be able to move green and get very close certainly they will then if they move green they would have max cap space for seven to nine year guy if they want to get chris paul then they would have to still get up to about 35 million or so and actually that's one thing is that the maxes of course have gone down just a little bit now your maxes are 24.8 million for zero to six years 29.7 million for seven to nine and 34.7 34.7 million for uh 10 plus so those have gone down a, a little bit here bad news for nick young <laughs> another thing actually that i wanted to discuss about the cap reduction is that's going to affect boston quite a bit and with an extra two or with two million less to play with i should say now they are projected to have 26.5 million in room that is without the cap hold of kelly olenic and that is with their number three pick that is with Gershon Yavisele and that is with Ante Zizic both of whom they are want to bring over that would include moving on from Demetrius Jackson and moving on from Jordan Mickey Jackson has 650,000 guaranteed but they could could move him but now they're still almost three million short, even there. So how do they prune off more? Yabusele, and remember now they that was only with ten roster slots. So the minimum salary 
is for the rookie minimum is 815,000. So every one of these amounts, when you take it off, subtract 815,000 for the amount of cap space that you're opening up because every roster slot that you have open under 12 is counts for 815,000 either way. So Terry Rozier making 2.0 million could open up about 1.2 if you moved on from him. That number three pick, you could move down a little bit in the draft, maybe open up a little bit more there. If you move down from number three to number five or number seven, you would be at about 1.5 million in savings if you get down to number three, or obviously you get down to number five, and then you would get about 2.5 million in savings if you get down to number eight. So that, that could get you pretty close right there if they traded down. If you know Yabusele, he's 2.2. Zizic is 1.6. So even if you got rid of Yabusele, Zizic, and Rozier, now you're just barely there, about 200,000 over to give a full max to a Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin in the seven to nine years. But they Zizic, they kind of need him as as a center. Yabusele, they probably have some assurances to him that he would be able to come over this year. He's already playing in Maine. Terry Rozier obviously is not someone they want to just give up they could trade him for something but now they actually still kind of need him probably too and then if you don't want to get rid of those guys then you could get all the way there by moving on from Marcus Smart or Jalen Braun those are the two next cheapest salaries on the roster well and something right. to remember here is a lot of these when we're talking about getting getting out of them it's getting out of them and taking zero salary back and yes. so like for Marcus Smart, you know, if that was the way you want to do it, yeah, certainly you could get a draft pick for him, but you might want somebody who could actually contribute and that's going to be hard to do, especially with the roster minimums the way they are. We do have a trade to announce. We do. Tim Frazier for the number 52 pick going from Washington or New Orleans to Washington. This is strange for a couple of reasons. One is it's a salary dump on a salary that does not appear to need dumping. I think Tim Frazier is a reasonable contract at $2 million. I, I think that he's a good player for that. And, you know, back even if you consider him a third string point guard, which I think he can be better than that, $2 million's fine. Totally fine for that. And I think they're, you know, I always feel like picks in the bottom 10 of the second rounder, they're not useless. I mean, there are guys like Isaiah Thomas and Manu that have obviously worked out, but a lot of teams are using those for flyers. So so you can get into those sorts of circumstances. And so it felt like this sort of thing would have been there. And then the bigger reason why this matters is because there is a very real chance that New Orleans is going to need all of the kind of depth they can get because if Drew Holiday comes back, the team building tools they will have are going to be very, very narrow. And I don't think you're going to get a better point guard than Tim Frazier for the minimum. Yeah, the 52nd pick, just to give you an idea historically, this is through Draft Express's valuable pick expectation tool. There have been 52 such, I'm sorry, no, this is a, it's the 52nd pick. It has produced zero all-stars, zero starters, nine rotation players, 17 end of the bench, and 30 guys who never played in the NBA at all. So that's about what you can expect. And, and I got asked this question today on Twitter, if you're going to compare that to, say, the 35th pick. There's one also that was actually Draymond Green, four starters, nine rotation, 24 end of the bench, and then 18 who didn't play in the NBA. So it's a pretty significant difference. You've got basically 32% of guys who didn't play in the NBA at 35, and then at 52, you're up to 54% of guys just not even playing in the league at all. So it's not worth that much. Tim Frazier is definitely better. That's a great move for Washington. Hopefully they will be able to feel pretty good about with him and Thomas Sadoransky about their backup point guard situation, and they 
don't won't feel pressure now to re-sign Brandon Jennings, which due to their tax concerns and the fact that he uh, was not any good last year, it probably would not be something they would want. Well, and this could be significant news for Trey Burke because Trey Burke has, you know, he has a qualifying offer. He has a high cap hold. The cap hold doesn't matter at all to the Wizards because they're going to be yeah, over the cap th- anyway. They were never going to give him a qualifying offer, in my opinion, anyway. Probably not. And so that opens, I mean, we'll we'll see what kind of offers he gets, um, but th- this might be a chance for him to do a make good if, if somebody doesn't give him a real offer. Yeah, Burke's qualifying offer would be four point two million. And if I were him, I would accept that the absolute moment it was made. <laughs> so I don't think they don't want to take the risk of having him on the on the books at that much, I don't think, given their tax concerns. Two more interesting ones here before we move into Malik Monk. Greg Monroe has picked up his option with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Sham Sharanier first to report that. Monroe due $17.9 million this year. He might have been able to get a a little bit more in guaranteed money on the open market but i don't see his value getting any better or worse over the next year he's never really gotten hurt in his career should have a nice role in milwaukee and also could even potentially come back there at the end of next year if things are going well i think he's actually a pretty decent compliment to thon maker you have to imagine that maker will continue to start and and monroe will be in a similar role also i think this is interesting because what it portends for ennis Cantor next year when i think even next year probably less teams will have space fewer teams i should say will have space than this year and so we will probably see i would say Cantor pick up his option as well would be my projection at this point well he is younger so maybe you'll we'll see it from his standpoint of just just wanting to do it but yeah i mean that's certainly a fair point and we made jokes about it this time last year and it seemed like a foregone conclusion swaggy p nick young declined his player option as expected and is going to be an unrestricted free agent i think i I heard something like Ramona was saying like that the Knicks that sorry that the Lakers would be interested in bringing him back but I'm guessing yeah, considering a one-year deal right considering their their structural incentives now and also we'll have to see how the cap reduction if that will we see where the projection goes for next year because then you start to think about that for the Lakers and numerous other teams but we'll see where Nick Young goes I think he can certainly help a team and what he prioritizes does he want to take a smaller role on a better team or does he want to take a, a take that like kind of a better contract maybe on a little bit of a worse team with young out of the picture the lakers i'm projecting them with 10.5 million in space now that includes a non-guarantee for Tarek black of 6.7 million dollars black also actually has a 10 percent trade bonus amazingly and a guarantee date though of july 3rd so they would have to move pretty quickly on him i think they should keep him around especially because they yeah, moved so on from mozgov now he's one million really for their every backup foul. center <laughs> Too bad he can't always play in summer league or he'd be making $10 million a year. There we um, go. And for the Bucks, just to circle back to them quickly, Monroe opting in puts them under some pressure. Spencer Hawes has until the 26th to decide on his player option. I would imagine he almost certainly will take that $6.0 million there. And now, if, they're, if you're going to pay just $10 million to Tony Snell, which I think would be a good number to get him on, they would be over the tax. Uh, and Gary Payton the second, they could maybe move on from him, save a little bit. They've got the 17th pick. Rashad Vaughn, maybe they just trade him away for nothing. But they're going to need to make some tax avoidance moves. I think if they're going to retain Snell, it's almost assured to me, unless they can just dump someone like Hawes, that they will be over the tax to start the season. 
And Milwaukee's challenging because they don't really have that many small salaries to dump. They, you know, no. they have, so, so you can't say, oh, you know, we can move a kind of the equivalent of a Terry Rozier, like um, except for Rashad yeah. Vaughn, almost all their cheap guys they need and all their expensive yeah. guys that they either want or don't necessarily want and have to attach an asset. Yeah, and of course, part of the pressure is that Giannis now his extension kicks in, still pretty cheap, twenty two point four million. They're saving about three million a year off the max there, two million a year, I should say, off the max for him. But of course, have him for one fewer years. But that also means that now with the designated player veteran extension, they should be able to entice him to stick around unless things go horribly awry for them. All right, let's move on to Malik Monk, six foot three, about a six foot four wingspan looks like a combo guard i would actually describe him though as not really having combo guard skills at this point i talked about him a little bit with schmitz yesterday but i think i'm viewing him as really strictly a two offensively at this point in time he is the best thing he does on ball is attack a like at basically attack when a guy closes out too hard on him which is a two guard skill he can do some pick and roll he's not terrible at it you know i think he has a better base for it than some of the other guys that have come into the league but yeah it's not if if i can actually if i can jump in there on the pick and roll i think side pick and roll he was a little bit more effective he's comfortable shooting from the wing he can kind of come off a screen and then if he's not not immediately open for the shot then the guy will come out and set a side pick and roll if he gets iced i'm not sure if he has the skill to deal with that but most of the teams he was playing against didn't do it that way and so he was able to get middle and then throw some alley-oops usually to Adebayo, or he could throw it throw it back to like Derek willis for a three those were his primary pick and roll partners um but i mean really not any kind of changing speeds really his one move that i thought was effective off the dribble he has this big sweeping left to right crossover uh but he other than that he's not like making a move to just blow by guys which is his dribble is just very slow you know it, it kind of sticks in his hand it doesn't come out of his hand fast doesn't return to his hand fast and it's just it's hard to beat guys when that that's your dribble because you just can't adjust that quickly his handle is just not tight enough it's got to get a lot tighter now i I don't want to kill the guy because he is an explosive score and i think it is very possible that even if he doesn't get that much better he could average 20 a game in the league someday that he just you know could be that explosive of a shooter his jump shot is extremely versatile can shoot going off screens shoots off the dribble either side gets a ton of rise on his jumper i mean you remember that shot that he hit against north carolina before North Carolina won it going back the other way in the regional final so he is a tough shot maker a contest does not bother him that much I mean that's that's the big thing and then he's really athletic to me especially if he gets out in transition he can really go in and, and bang it uh but I'm uh a little bit more skeptical about like his finishing ability he's got a little bit of craft on occasion but not like really impressive type of stuff uh yeah right well, at what, the what I wanted to go with that where I wanted to go with that is is that he does a really nice job of finishing when no one is there. Like he his his dunks where he gets separation <laughs> are are really nice. And so you think, oh that, man, that he's could such describe a, good... a lot of people. Yeah, it, but exa- that's exactly where I'm getting to. Is that like you don't see much of that in the NBA? You know, other than in transition or when Cleveland decides to throw two guys at Steph Curry instead of Kevin Durant. You don't usually see that very often. And Monk won't get it, and he won't. I don't think he'll create the situations that will do that very often. And I didn't love his finishing over contests it wasn't my favorite my favorite thing in his skill set and so he has this otherworldly justified confidence in his jump shot 
and he's shooting some of them like you watch him shoot from NBA three and you're just like he he doesn't it doesn't doesn't make him sweat at all and that's exciting because you don't see that very often with guys but my biggest concern is along with these lines it's that professionals whether he's playing the one the two however you want to define this they're not only larger human beings and faster human beings they're also stronger and I think that those three elements all three of those pose problems for him problems that can be overcome but that you cannot have certainty that he will overcome let me give you some numbers here we'll start you mentioned his finishing the floater game 22 points on 25 floaters not bad uh considering the relative inefficiency of floaters overall 59 points on 55 shots around the basket and i mean considering the volume that he had i mean 55 shots in like 30 games you know so that's like less than two shots a game around the rim now it is worth noting and i mentioned this with schmitz yesterday that a lot of times he was the only three-point shooter in their lineup and when he their starting lineup was De'Aaron Fox, who doesn't shoot any threes and shot under 30%. Isaiah Briscoe, who's, you know, probably like one of the worst shooters in major college basketball. And then Wenyan Gabriel, who wasn't really a good shooter either. And then Bam Adebayo was the center. It got a little bit better when they went to Derek Willis at the four. He was a stretch four type of guy. But for him, it's tough for him to get to the basket in the half court just with that lack of spacing. Uh, that said, he had 36 possessions only as the pick and roll ball handler all year. 30 of those, he wasn't trapped. He shot two runners and two layups out of those. The rest of those were jumpers. Uh, those are plays where he actually took the shot out of pick and roll. At least he never turned it over, which is nice. And just in general, he never turns it over because he kind of just shoots it before he can turn it over. And he then also had like 29 passes that led to shots out of pick and roll. So definitely just not operating in pick and roll a ton. But it makes sense that maybe he wasn't asked to do that as much. But when he does, he's not getting the guy on his back. He's not changing speeds. It's I'm going to get to my jumper if, if we're, or just throw a pass directly to the role guy or directly like one pass away to an open guy he's not doing anything that's really impressing you in terms of pick and roll operation and there were a few times where when the team took that away he just got completely flummoxed and the whole possession fell apart he got a shot blocked a ton at the rim and it's he doesn't seem to explode on his one foot layups the way he does on his dunks left hand is decent it's developing you know could use it a little bit more but i think that's something that he's going to get there on um I mean, that jump shot, give you some more stats on that. A hundred and to show how locked in defenses were on him. Of his 154 catch and shoots, 118 of those were classified as guarded. And then he made 1.27 points per shot on those. Uh, only had 36 unguarded possessions. He had 38 points on those. So he is very comfortable shooting with the hand in his face, getting rise. Uh, he can go left or right off the dribble. He kind of leans to his left a little bit too to get his shot off. It's very, very, impressive what he can do with the jump shot but i think uh defense is another big concern though for him he i so early on in the process because i watched a fair amount of kentucky this year the guy who i kept on comparing him to was monte with a jump shot and a part of the reason why is because i actually like monk's first step not necessarily his dribble first step but just like he he has a little bit of burst which i think about monte but the other part is i don't i don't think he can defend twos and he's just he's a little bit small in terms of wingspan in terms of height and just he doesn't play with that much force defensively or 
the kind of instincts you would want to make up for that lack of force. Yeah, I think he might even be Monte without the steals. And yeah, I mean, if he gambled as much as Monte, he'd have those steals. Yeah, he, he's got better size and and a little bit better length than Ellis. But yeah, I think that is an interesting comparison as a guy who's really caught in between the one and the two, but doesn't necessarily have the effort level to play the one. I, few notes that i had just watching his defense he committed a lot of fouls on the pick and roll guys like pulling up for jumpers and he would follow him he's not really getting deep into a stance uh but like i mean you weren't like oh my god this guy's effort is just pathetic when you're watching him like that actually happened more with fultz than with monk yeah yeah no fultz was the guy who really that jumped out at me uh he's willing to try and pressure out on the floor a little bit although he'll get beat i think it's possible he could get to be adequate against ones in time i don't see him ever being an asset at either position maybe he can guard some smaller twos you know like there's no reason he couldn't guard like gary harris or some, someone like that uh if he has to guard a bradley beal type a guy who can get into your body and use step backs and get into the mid-range maybe if he gets stronger that could be a possibility for him but it, it's not something where i think he's going to be an asset if you put him on like you know a james harden it would just be be all over immediately and he can't reciprocal switch even if the other guy is better if you if he gets on to like a three or four i just think it's could be problems almost instantly yeah i thought that just in general he didn't show much facility in just directing the guy where he was supposed to go on the pick and roll a lot of times he would miscommunicate with with Adebayo on those pick and rolls and Adebayo is a capable switch guy so they would kind of switch pretty easily a lot of times but they wouldn't know exactly what they were doing or you know they weren't icing pick and rolls sending them a certain direction and he also just It'll look like he's kind of there, and then he ends up turning his hips a little bit and allowing penetration anyway. His technique is not fantastic. It's just very rare you would see him just cut a guy off, even on the initial move. Um, and, and then the strength also was an issue. I mean, they're just overall defensively, I mean, and watching a lot of film of him, uh, I could count on one hand the number of plays that were like good plays that he made. It probably sticks in my head for a logical reason, but there were a couple times that he ended up on Lonzo, and I just thought he wasn't doing anything. Like, I couldn't figure out what he was trying trying to do with Lonzo is just like Lonzo's like oh I can go to my right I'm gonna go to my right and I'm gonna get a layup and that's you know Lonzo Ball's a really good player Lonzo Ball's gonna be a higher draft pick than Malik Monk but you want to try to make them do something you know whatever it is send them in to help send them you know to his, make them go a spe- specific direction and maybe he did want to send him right I don't really know but you didn't notice that watching him and you don't know whether that's force or lack of a plan but it was concerning in that way. Yeah, as the player that he is now, and with just kind of normal development on some of these tracks, I'm not sure that he's a guy that I would want starting on a good team. And I think, number one, he's got to get a lot better in pick and roll to really be a secondary ball handler for you. That's that's one. The idea of him making the transition to the one, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I think he is very far away from that in terms of where his handle is right now, not to mention vision. And mentality, of course, as well. Now, if he can get to be good enough in pick and roll where he can just even be basic and, you know, not get it stolen and get into the lane if need be against certain coverages or against a switch. I mean, that's the other thing. We didn't see really hardly any ISO and and no getting to the basket in ISOs either. Again, the lack of spacing part of what could have made that very difficult for him. So it's important to remember that context. So if he can get to where, all right, now he's coming off the pick and roll and you've got to bring the big up because he's just 
just that deadly of a shooter now we're really talking about it could be a fantastic offensive player i mean and someone with his rise and his shooting ability at his age you don't want to count that guy out he could be a fabulous offensive player for sure to just a guy that you can't deal with at all but i'm kind of thinking of him as just a, a smaller jr smith type of player at, at this point which is not incredibly valuable but it could maybe be i mean smith was a six man for much of his career as well and then obviously the defense is the other big concern about him potentially being a starter i wonder if going to a smaller role could actually help him defensively because also getting nba coaching will will help in that way as long as he's receptive to it and i haven't heard really anything in either direction with him that i can remember but you know playing 20 minutes a game and basically saying hey you need to work your butt off in both both ends of the court you know that might it's you know and he'll get stronger at all that you know that's that's a part of becoming an NBA player so I think he can get better at the things that he needs to but I'm not sure that he will and he will see multipliers on the stuff that he that that he improves just because his shot is so good that if he gets better at any of these things he gets so much more valuable but he has to actually do it all right so we are gonna have time to do the magic here let's first though let's get on record Uh, I'm gonna do it first our board of the guys that we have looked at and I'll try and I'll try and do it in tiers tier one Marco Fultz tier two Lonzo Ball and yeah I'm gonna put Dennis Smith in there I'm gonna do it tier three Lonzo Ball above Dennis Smith though so that's that's my top three tier four Jonathan Isaac De'Aaron Fox and then tier five and this isn't just like oh tier five means he's gonna be x level player this is just I see a delineation between these guys then tier five would be Markinen, Josh Jackson Jason Tatum and then I think I would put Monk even a little bit below those guys. Uh, and those and those are all the guys that, that we did. What would yours be? Fultz by himself, then Ball by himself. And I'm incorporating some of the off-the-court stuff with Dennis Smith there. I think as purely as talents, I would have them in the same tier, but I'm incorporating a little bit of that. We don't know the whole thing. Then the next tier down. Uh, so yeah, I do have... Uh, oh, so then... So Ball is in his own. And then Smith, Jonathan Isaac. I'm going to put Tatum in that tier. Uh, so, oh, sorry. So De'Aaron fox jason tatum then i'll put a line it's that it's really tough right there josh jackson frank oh yeah i forgot about frank i i would i would have frank above malik monk by the way yeah i forgot about him sorry would you have him over over marketing i don't think so that's i think that's one of the toughest calls on the board for me between those two guys and and i think i I just market and i'm he's a very high upside high risk player to me but i think just his his shooting could be so fantastic that and his mobility offensively that it it could he could just be you know a really you know he could be a better offensive player than Kristaps Porzingis like I think that's totally possible this is really unfair to Frank but I think I'm going to put Markinen over him because of Dennis Schroeder because I really like Dennis Schroeder and a part of it was oh man he's he has this high upside defensively and, and I would say Frank has a higher defensive upside than Schroeder partially because he actually cares in a greater degree than Dennis did yeah he's but, got so much more size than Schroeder too but you don't want to I, I don't think you ever want to sell yourself on a point guard or even if he's a two without being as sold on their point guard skills and so i'm going to put yeah. marketing over him because i know what he can do and i know how that can convert in the league so i'm going to go those two guys then then malik monk i have in a separate tier below them i wish i would have had the time to watch more zach collins he's the one guy that i think could have gotten into this mix somewhere but i didn't have the chance so too bad so sad all right the orlando magic a team that we have discussed like not <laughs> at all uh start first by talking about about their cap space 
like all teams, that is $2 million lower than when we last would have checked in on them. And I have them projected right now at a mere 11.4 million in space. The assumption there is that they will waive CJ Watson, who is 1 million guaranteed and not stretch that. And that they will keep Steven Zimmerman, Patricio Garino, and Marcus Georges Hunt, all of whom are scheduled to make uh, the second year minimum of $1.3 million on there. That also includes the sixth overall pick, cap hold, and the 25th overall pick, cap hold, which was uh, Toronto's. We talked about it with various teams, but I would make the argument that the Magic were the biggest loser on lottery night because not only did they fall, but they also lost the prospect of the Lakers pick in 2019. So, Oh yeah, but that's going to be like the 29th pick in the draft in 2019 it very so it well could be and but the benefit that they did get is that they have the two second round picks from the lakers which means they have this nice little draft arsenal of 425 sorry 625 3335 yeah those second rounders could be useful and perhaps they might be able to package those and move up a little bit if there's a guy they like in the late teens early 20s i think one of the big things to think about is just you know no delusions here now and i think with jeff weltman and and john hammond in the mix and fresh contracts that they will be willing to take a very hard and realistic look at this roster my plan for them would be uh, well it's important to just think about the future first of all they really in the summer of 2018 they're also still pretty capped out at that point because they got aaron gordon's cap hold they got alfred payton's cap hold they're pretty much right at the cap now even just with those and that's not even counting potential new deals for those guys gordon and you know they'll probably have to spend at least 30 million to retain both those guys so they'll probably be operating over the cap next year i think my plan right now would be if i could just dump nikola vucevic for nothing he's due 25 million over the next two years i would do that i think that he is somewhat toxic to the culture everyone knows that he considers himself a starter but you're just you're never going to have that good a defense part of their path to being better this year is just getting more out of bismack biombo obviously that's looking like a bad deal he's due 17 million over the next three years but I think getting him to get back to defending the way he did in Charlotte and Toronto the two years before that, he really was a disappointment last year. I think that's part of it. And then the other thing that they need to do with the limited creators they have in the team is bring in a shooting center. And I, I have a list of those guys that I think could be nice fits. Uh, Mike Mascala, Kelly Olenek, I think could be a, a pretty good fit here. Cristiano Felicio as a restricted free agent, I think is someone who has more shooting potential than he's shown on the bulls and then other than that you know i know you could maybe get those guys but your goal is just whoever they are get some value contracts onto this team that you can maybe move later to get an asset even if it's a small one and then hope that you can improve enough and your guys look good enough that you can maybe in the summer of 2019 use some cap space and get someone who can help you but and then the other question of course is what do they do with number six it may sound boring but best prospect available they don't have anybody to me on their roster that is so definitively a part of their future that you would say we can't draft x because of y and aaron gordon is good they have a lot of players that i like in various forms but they don't have anybody of that ilk so like i love jonathan isaac if jonathan isaac is on their board and you 
you know, Dennis Smith isn't because we both have Dennis Smith over Jonathan Isaac. You take him. Yes, he doesn't fit perfectly with Aaron Gordon. I don't care. I don't care at all. You just take him. And a part of what makes Orlando's roster so frustrating is it's this death by a thousand cuts in terms of their cap construction because they don't have, I mean, 17 million is a big ticket item, but it's not this just ludicrous, you know, like, like just obscene amount of money. And then they have, you know, like DJ Augustine making 7.25 million a year that you basically just can't move. And so you're just saying they're like, well, that's not that much money, but it just, it just eats up space. And so, yeah, they could clear some salary and they can do that. Terrence Ross is on a reasonable contract. I have no opposition to it, but it's just when you accumulate those, like the Phoenix Suns have as well, it just makes it hard to really turn the ship. It's kind of like those old Cadillacs where it's just, there's just kind of too much (laughs) there and it's hard to shed weight. And I think they can. And I think it's great that they changed over their front office. And so they can, as you said, kind of lose some of the attachments that were there. But I don't know exactly what that is. You know, like, oh, yeah, Alfred Payton is probably not to me. He's probably not the answer at point guard. But cutting or like cutting him loose doesn't make any sense. He's a he's a good player. And it's not like, you know, he, his cap hold is 10 million. What are they going to do with that anyway? Yeah. And they were, they're pretty close to capped out next year in any event i think just in general what the what the team needs we mentioned biamo playing well if they have something in free agency like a more dynamic wing threat you know if they hold on to vooch you know getting another center doesn't really make sense so you know they could be in the kind of tyreek evans type of market get somebody like that but i mean they have a bunch of shooting guards already i mean maybe they're giving up on hazonia completely we'll talk about him later but you know they still have ross as you mentioned they've got evan fournier who is probably a a little overpaid at this point and but still can do some stuff uh, off the dribble so it's really they don't have any huge holes but it's like none of these guys are that great so maybe we'll just bring someone else in as well it's a difficult situation to be in so i think to me the litmus test for anyone that i'm going to sign is number one is there a chance that this guy is either one part of the team in three years and helping the team or two someone who could turn into a value contract the Magic have a team full of guys that would be great if you could put them like two steps down on the on the not on the depth chart, but in the overall like kind of team ranking. But it's so hard to get those top two guys. They're going to have to nail this draft pick, probably nail next year's draft pick. And then some of these pieces start to get in place like Fournier, if he was the fourth or fifth best starter. Yeah, I could totally see that. Terrence Ross has already succeeded in kind of a similar role to that. Biombo, if he's basically a zero usage guy who finds his defense again, it can work but th- either Aaron Gordon's gonna have to become that guy or they're gonna have to draft two of them they're mocked right now is taking Jonathan Isaac on draft express I think actually he although they're both kind of combo forwards and neither of them are amazing off the dribble they are a nice fit together defensively you would hope that Isaac if he fills out a little bit could he guard the four most of the time Gordon could guard the three and then they obviously would be able to switch you just hope that Isaac's shooting comes around a little bit more I mean they really just have not had a solid three at all let's talk about some of their their upcoming decisions here Mario Hazonia do four million this year 5.2 million in the fourth year of his rookie deal next year would you decline that rookie option 
for uh, the 2018-19 season. With their specific situation, I probably would not just because they're not gaining much from it. I don't think that's going to push them into the luxury tax or anything silly like that. So I would probably do it. But if I were a team that cared more or that that space mattered more, I would I would be leaning towards declining it now. But fortunately, they can get more information than we have. And it's so interesting if you look back at the 2015 draft, considered to be a great draft, right? Carl Towns looking like a generational type of superstar. D'Angelo Russell already got traded. Jaleel Okafor going to get traded probably for nearly nothing. Chris Porzingis looking like he's going to be a star. Mario Hazonia, we're talking about potentially declining his rookie option. There's your top five. Yeah, and remember, we, I, I think we we both felt like Porzingis was at least a little bit overdrafted, and he's the se- at least the second most successful guy in the top five. I'd have to think deeper in that draft, but I mean... Kudos to Phil Jackson and the Knicks International Scouting Department for that, for now. Another question here, they'll have upcoming rookie extensions for... Aaron Gordon, cap hold of $16 million in the summer of 2018. Peyton, cap hold of $10 million in the summer of 2018. I think, again, they're not going to have cap space that summer, very likely, unless significant moves are made. So I think they would want to try and reach extension agreements. Peyton, I wish I had had a chance to watch a little bit more Orlando down the end of last year, but a lot of people saying he actually looked a lot better. Gordon certainly is someone that maybe you could hope to extend somewhere in like the high teens. Does that sound like a reasonable amount for him it does but i'm also not sure that i would give that to him right now because he hasn't shown to me that somebody you the the auto porter concern that somebody's gonna oh damn they're definitely gonna max him out like i'm not i don't think he's reached that point yet yeah you you definitely got to get a discount with both of those guys i think to do the extension because again you know teams the number of teams with cap space seems like it's shrinking every year and and their consequences aren't there you know like the, the you think about the downside value for them is like that somebody gives them a ridiculous offer but they're pretty much capped out anyway so they're not gaining that much by the flexibility and orlando is actually we haven't talked about this enough i think they're one of the teams that is hurt by the new which are totally fair and i think it's proper but the new higher holds for rookies because both those guys were reasonably high they were both lottery picks and so you know under the current cba or yeah it's still current for another week those guys would be would have much smaller cap holds and maybe orlando could run this and another thing to remember about their cap next year is we both i think we would both guess right now that they're not going to make playoffs now that rookie scale contracts are more lucrative they're going to add another lottery pick presumably to this and that's going to cost them some money too yeah i don't think it matters as much i mean it's basically going from 2.5 x to 3x of of their previous salary so it's only like a couple million bucks and as we said i don't think they were fixing to have cap space in the summer of 2018 anyway uh but i think peyton is an interesting i think a good comparison to him would be jeff teak when he became a free agent uh and i think he probably dennis schroeder will be another guy who might be a comparison to him recently as far as the extension schroeder four years 62 million with some likely unreachable incentives so something along the lines of maybe a little bit less than schroeder who had better per minute stats than peyton would be something I, I would be looking at there, you know, something along the lines of like 11, 12 million a year, because you have to wonder if he gets into restricted free agency, who is like, oh yeah, let's give this guy a lucrative offer to be our starter, unless he just blows up this year. Also, the last thing I'll say, if Dennis Smith is on the board, I think they should take him. That uh, That's clear. You guys know that I, I think he's really good. He just, uh, he gives the upside that he has, even above Isaac, who I think can be a solid player. I, I don't see Isaac as a guy who's going to be like, you know, main 
an offensive option. He could get there, but probably not. And I think Smith could be that. He could just he'd be in mean, their first really spectacular offensive creator off the dribble since you know Jameer Nelson in like 2009 or something. I mean, or, or you know Vince Carter in 2010. I mean, they really have not had any kind of perimeter guys who can do much on this team in a very long time. We are in agreement. I, I hate that our boards are so similar this year, and I didn't expect it. But we watched, we both watched the film some separately, some together, and ended up in the same place. Yeah, Peyton, what do you think his value is on the trade market? Is there any team that you would look at and say, hey, they could actually like this team would be interested in taking a chance on Peyton and and might give up you know a lower end first round pick for him if they do were to draft Dennis Smith or if De'Aaron Fox fell to them, which it doesn't look like he will. So what you're looking for is kind of a team that's limited but also okay with theoretically paying Peyton if he ends up working out. I don't think he's the best option for the Jazz, but I mean that would be a pretty if, good if use Gordon of one of their Hayward, picks. If Gordon Hayward leaves, I think I would be interested in that deal because you're really pushing the timeline back. You're getting you could have he and Dante Exum kind of all right. Let's those are both lottery tickets. We'll see which one of them works out. That that, that might be a, a thought there. I Brooklyn. think well they just Indiana. traded their late first. Yeah, well, Brooklyn, I mean, Brooklyn's already got D'Angelo Russell now, so I would say probably not with them. Unlimited lottery tickets. Indiana, if uh, they move on from Paul George and, and Jeff Teague leaves, they could use, you know, kind of a cheap bite at the apple for a point guard. They're pretty late in the draft, so they, there aren't many good point guard prospects around at that point. I think Would the Spurs the Knicks, do it just for the hell of it? Um, I mean, I think he's kind of similar to Jante Murray, and I don't think they'd want to take on the salary. But if they're trading the draft pick and maybe things don't work out the way they would like to in free agency, the Pels would be one that you could look at maybe if Drew Holiday is lost, though they don't have much in the way of first rounders. The Knicks I thought of too, but they they don't have anything there either. Um, oh, I mean, not a uh, ton of destinations. Oh, Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, no, never mind their money. The money's the issue for them because I was going to say because they just got the 31st pick. Yeah, and that doesn't. I don't think I would trade Peyton for the thirty-first pick if I were the Magic. I and think I would need a little bit more there. Charlotte, God, I was just thinking about Jeremy Lamb in that trade, and I was like, "Well, where does he fit in with all this?" But then I went down a rabbit yeah. hole. The Kings would be another one, although we expect them to draft a point guard with one of their two picks. Maybe they feel like th- that guy wouldn't be ready. The Raptors maybe could get involved if Kyle Lowry leaves, and you know Corey Joseph. I think would only be under contract for one more year at that point. So I think there are a few teams that might be interested in buying low on him but i you have to see whether the magic really would want to say all right we're gonna just move on from this guy here for a pick in the low 20s right but, especially but remember, because yeah they're you know there are other options even if they draft another point guard yeah they have dj augustine but they're gonna i don't think they're gonna be ready to just like eat it at the, the beginning of the season like maybe that's a move you make during the year and you you're open to it at that point but i don't think you do it in the preseason or in the draft night yeah or maybe even Peyton could be a vehicle to get off of Augustin's salary. That that might be something that they might look at as well. Augustin do uh, twenty one million over the next three years, and it's not totally dead salary, but at twenty nine, it's a uh, it's pretty getting pretty close, and will be likely by the end of, of the contract. All right, we done here? Yeah, people can check out. I believe my Magic and Kings offseason previews came out for SI. We're really close to having all of them done. They might even all be done. And then I wrote a piece on basically with what I would do, what the Lakers approach should be with Paul George. It's more about the contract part of it. It's a little bit different than Kevin Pelton's where he went through the kind of the trade assets he'd given. But you can check all that out. And my SI author page has either all 30 or damn close to it of the offseason previews. And some of those are going to be more pertinent to look at tomorrow because they're going to change on Thursday 
and I'm ludicrously excited. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget about that mailbag. If you want to subscribe, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue to get that and all the benefits we already talked about. And we'll be back tomorrow night when we'll know who has been drafted in the 2017 NBA draft. Can't wait. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.